Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Shelf Games Podcast uh, for the week of August 10th, and we're doing it live once again. Uh, this is episode number 142, and Shelf Games, of course, is a light horror look at the games of today and the ones still on the shelf. I'm your host, John, and joining me this week is a uh, multitude of co-hosts, some of my favorite people on the planet and on the internet. Jasulo, welcome back, sir. What's going on? Well, go on. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> doing well. Doing well. Good to see. Good to see the, that that great smile of yours. Um, this smile, your, class of '05. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is your first live one, so so I'm excited yeah. to have you here, sir. Um, also, Ted, looking uh, dapper with those glasses I, that you frantically just threw on. on. Yeah, just these on. I wanted to look smarter, so hopefully <laughs> it does that. <laughs> Uh, what's new and exciting, Ted? How's life? Good, man. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on the podcast. It's been probably years, hey? I, I don't know about that. Um, it's but, time and space have warped around this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and coming back, third week in a row for a live set, is David. And I'm still here. You're still here. <laughs> uh, go back to last week to see my uh, classic dunk on, on David. Um, but, uh, folks, we are here to do a video game podcast, but, uh, but first let's check in. How, how is everyone? How is week 1000 of the pandemic treating everyone? Jasulo, how, how is it there in Winnipeg for you? Um, I saw a tweet that really summarized how I felt. And I think it went something along the lines of the last three months have been the longest year of my life. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. Uh, what about you, Ted? How's uh, how's pandemic life? It's going pretty good. I mean, my life is indoors anyways, so this is mm-hmm. just kind of like more of that. <laughs> just gives you an excuse now. Yeah, exactly. I don't feel as bad about it. <laughs> uh, David, what about you? What's what's your latest pandemic update? Um, Nothing, man. Does anybody have a latest pandemic update? It's it's all just it's the same. It's the same day in and day out. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is terrible I mean, all the time. Yeah. I mean, things aren't that bad. Everything is like at a level emotional state at all times. <laughs> it doesn't go much up, it doesn't go much down. We're just there. That's 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 totally fair. That's kind of how I feel. I feel like I'm just like going through the motions. You know what I mean? Just like just just like subsisting you know i'm just like doing the best i can just like Mm -hmm. it's just another monday the the tweet i saw that that really encapsulated my feelings on this was it was just like 2020 january february march 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 (laughs) and i was like yeah that's i had a i had a real like just genuinely kind of shocked emotionally shocked moment when i realized really just sunk in that it was like yeah we're a third into august now mm-hmm. like, like I know. this year this year is on on the down slope now and yeah somehow it is both the longest and and shortest <laughs> year of my life i don't I, know how I that such, works i had such, such ambitious plans for what i was going to do with my year oh god um, me too and and boy have they not happened yeah <laughs> But anyways, I, I think we should do a podcast. We should probably get into uh, the news of the week. Uh, and first things first, uh, the long-rumored Suicide Squad game uh, that has been in the works from Rocksteady uh, was officially teased. Uh, they are going to be talking about it more at DC Fandome, which I guess is some sort of event that DC does. 
Um, but uh, yeah, th- this has sort of been long rumored. We haven't really heard about uh, what Rocksteady has been uh, working on uh, for quite some time. Uh, they are, of course, most famous for the uh, Batman Arkham series of games. Um, you know, Warner Brothers Montreal also helped out with Batman Arkham Origins. Uh, I know some people didn't like that game, but I thought it was fine. Um, but uh, but yeah, so they're going to be talking about that more um, in in the in the coming weeks here. I think the event is uh, scheduled for later this August. Um, also tying to this news, they, they announced a, a second Suicide Squad movie. Uh, because when I first saw this news, I was like, "Really, is the Suicide Squad that popular that they're going to be able to like just do a whole game around this?" Um, yeah. Just a little, I don't know. Like you play some of those Arkham games. Like, what did you think about this announcement that they're doing a Suicide Squad game? So I played the first two Arkham games, loved the first one, loved the second one as well. I fell off around Origins and tried to come back in on, what is it called? Night? I forget yep. what the last one yep, was called. Night. Didn't really get into it. Didn't love the car mechanics. But I don't know about Suicide Squad because I actually recently rewatched Suicide Squad the movie. And when I say rewatch, I mean just had it on in the background while I worked. <laughs> no, not a great movie. Not a great movie. No, no. I, I but mean, that, I, I should say Academy Award winning Suicide Squad. That's an accurate <laughs> statement. <laughs> that is, that is. Uh, I mean, to, to be frank, I think the Harley Quinn movie um, had a lot of fans and did okay. Um, I, I remember watching it and being like, this is fine. Um, but but it'll be interesting to see what they do with an entire, you know, triple A video game based around this. It looks like the Suicide Squad are going to be targeting the Justice League. It looks like Superman has gotten evil. If I scroll this image down, people can kind of see him. he looks a little bit like he's nefarious. Um, I do love Suicide. I do love Superman is evil plot lines. Mm-hmm. I will say, yeah, th- th- yeah, that's fun. Those are always fun. Um, anyways, uh, they're I guess more interesting for sure. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll have to just wait and see uh, what, what they have in store uh, with that reveal. Uh, again, this 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 project has, seems to have been, I don't want to say in trouble, but it's been in development for quite some time. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what uh, Rocksteady has in store for us. Um, James Gunn is doing Suicide Squad movie, yes? He's doing the second true? one, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so. then I'm, I'm definitely willing to see it. Yeah. Is it yeah. going to be the same cast with the next Suicide Squad? Or does anyone know anything about it? No clue. And no idea. I, it's weird how like into it Jared Leto got. Like I feel like he felt like he needed to really get into that role, and then it like wasn't that great. Yeah, it's like oh man. Well, the Joker cool. is well, a he got Academy Award winning role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and to, to be to be frank, like he had the tough job of like following up Heath Ledger, right? So yeah, yeah. Didn't didn't envy him on that one. <laughs> That's brutal. Um, but uh, a company that I do envy is Nintendo, uh, because let me tell you about this little game called Animal Crossing. Uh, Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons uh, has officially become the best-selling game on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, so uh, since its release in late March, New Horizons has sold 22.4 million copies making it the second most popular uh, Nintendo Switch game ever. Sorry, it's right behind Mario Kart 8, uh, which has sold 26.7 million units. But if you think about the fact that Mario Kart 8 has been out for, what, a year, two years at this point, um, mm-hmm. and, and New Horizons has been able to do those numbers in a matter of, of months. Mario Kart's also, like, um, it's a bundle game, right? right? Yeah. Like, if Mario Kart ends up, is one of those, like, you buy the Switch and Mario Kart 8 Yes. 
thing. And on the Wii, I think it was because it was on yes. the Wii U as well, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, it was. So. Yeah. Um, so, so a few other comparisons. Uh, it has not only outsold, you know, everything else on on the Switch, but if you look at just the the raw numbers, you know, uh, Super Smash Brothers did nineteen point nine million copies. Breath of the Wild did 18.6 million. Pokemon Sword and Shield did 18.2. So it blew all those out of the water in, again, just a matter of months. And those games have been out for a year, if not longer than that. Um, so so this sort of accompanies Nintendo's Q2 uh, uh, reporting, um, where <laughs> their net profits have gone up 541%. Uh, with hardware sales of the Switch up 166%. Um so those wow. are pretty bonkers numbers. Um, and that, uh, you know, accompanying all that, um, you know, I think that the p- pandemic was oddly good for them because people were stuck indoors and they wanted Nintendo Switches. They wanted something fun, something relaxing like an Animal Crossing. Um, and, and all of that success comes with uh, the caveat that they also had uh, supply shortages for the Switch because, you know, they, they were running to, into issues getting the parts uh, to get Switches on, onto shelves. Um, so what do we think about the uh, breakout success of Animal Crossing uh, around the, the pandemic? It was almost like perfect timing. It was like shutdowns happened, Animal Crossing released. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, just a little, what do you think? I honestly, I don't, I've never played an Animal Crossing game. When I look at it, it just doesn't look like it appeals to me, but I must be missing something. Like I just don't know what it is as a game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd be very curious. I might watch some videos. I don't know. Ted, have you ever played an Animal Crossing? I, I haven't, but I understand the draw now. Um, I don't know if it's like at all related to something like Stardew Valley, but it seems like it's a very like relaxed, you know, casual game. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't interested in Stardew Valley when it came out. I was just like, ah, this doesn't seem like a game for me. But once I got into it, it's just like I get addicted to those kinds of games I've, I've figured out. So I I don't know. I have a Switch and I'm like, I've always been right about to pull the trigger on getting Animal Crossing, but I think it would just suck up my, my life. You would never see me again. Um, um, yeah. David, 541% net profits. Uh, that that number is bonkers. The number is bonkers. I mean, it, 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 it definitely has to do with, or part of that success is definitely that it's the pandemic and everybody just, everything is collapsing outside, so everybody just wants to sit in their bed and make their little dream home their little animal dream home and just everything else can fuck off for a minute and just do that and and uh yeah said i think you're right i think stardew valley uh the sims like just any sort of city builder like it's all kind of hitting those same scratching those same itches i guess um of just this it's a little world and you're just doing simple actions that are fairly repetitive but you know there's some depth in like you know things that you can craft and things you can create and it's just about taking a space and kind of making it your own space and that's Mm -hmm. what's appealing about it i've never played it i'm probably not going to but i'm i'm in a couple of uh discords that have a dedicated you know animal crossing channel as soon as it came out and like that's full of people just posting all kinds of stuff and i'm like my favorite thing is (laughs) 
watching other people get excited about Animal Crossing because I feel like I'm just getting like the hit list of all the like most funny and most fun and cutesy things in Animal Crossing without actually having to like go through the grind of playing it or anything right. like that. And that's the zone I'm happy to just live in of like watching other people be delighted about this delightful game. So yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to just stay there. The thing that I always found amusing is like uh, reading or hearing about when like the the stock market S T A L K and like how yeah. there's this like third party market for people to find out when people well, turn turnips turnips when when turnip prices were up and people would like <laughs> go online and try and like sell their turnips to other users <laughs> and because like those systems aren't built into the game uh you know like just users would would sort of create these third party things on, on the web to, to, to facilitate it. And I thought that that stuff was always fascinating. Um, also, I think I'm the only one on this call that doesn't have a switch. Um, so I think, I think it's about oh. time I, I, I pick one up here. It's great. Good man. It really is great. Yeah. I do love my, switch, I'm, yeah. I'm playing, I'm playing Mario, Mario versus uh, rabbits is the mm. game I'm going through right now. Yep. Nice. I have that. It's a fun one. It's very good. Um, I, the makers of XCOM were very impressed with some of the mechanics in that game, and they they said they would like to implement some of that into the next XCOM game whenever that comes. Yeah, is it, is it gonna is it gonna be like jumping on your ally's head and somersaulting them? Up I can only assume. <laughs> yeah, putting a gun right to their head fun. and just missing. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I, appre- I appreciate this is a tangent now, but I appreciate Mario Rabbits. It's 100%, 50%, or zero. There's right. no like, <laughs> it's yes, maybe, no. Like, there's yeah. no <laughs> 99% and you hit the one yeah. nonsense of X. 70% is so good, but like, ah, I just can't risk it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I all, all I'm hearing is a lot of salty uh, XCOM players on, on this call right now. <laughs> I don't know that there's any other kind of XCOM player. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, speaking of salty players, uh, David, you brought this uh, story to our attention. Um, so this is Rainbow Six Siege's latest sort of arcade uh, mode, sort of their, their latest uh, seasonal event uh, called Mute which uh, essentially pit players in this sort of neo-futuristic uh, world where, where they take one of the old maps, Tower, and uh, have, you know, throw in a bunch of like cool, fun, robot, futuresque uh, skins. They added an interesting mechanic where operators could teleport to their camera, uh, which seems pretty cool. Um, but it looks like there was a game-breaking bug, and they ended up having to remove it. So, David, why did you want to talk about this story? I just, uh, mostly, I just want to... I just want my heart to go out to them, give them my deepest condolences as someone who has worked in live ops and definitely launched broken shit before. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah. It's just, as soon as I saw it, cause the, the bug is not like, it's not like a little thing. What happens is, is all of the attackers can become invisible and invincible. Seems like a big deal. Yep. Yeah, the game's over. Like, that's just, it, it was completely broken, un, unplayable. As soon as I, like, jumped in two rounds, like, the entire team did that twice. And I was just like, yeah, I quit. Like, yeah. that's, I'm not going to play this. There's <laughs> no point. Which sucks because you can tell, like, they're having so much fun with this. The art is awesome. They put a ton of effort into uh, redoing Tower, redoing the map. They've got all these skins. You can, like, that mechanic of, like, you can live 
in your cameras as an attacker or defender. Like when you when you go into your camera in Rainbow Six to look through the cameras, now you actually go into the camera and you disappear from the map and you just live in the cameras. Right. And then you come out like whatever camera you're looking from. When you exit your cameras, you exit there where you were looking. So you can teleport all over the map by traveling through the cameras. It's a super cool um, mechanic, but also it's like messing with core functionality. <laughs> and boy, is that fucking risky on a five-year-old game that like yeah, for sure. may not have the same engineering team as when they started. And they, you know, like I bet you anything they did, like just getting that to work and like just testing it to make sure that it was functional probably took so much of the developers and like QA analysts time and stuff that, you know, something like, cause I think what you do is like you throw your drone off of the tower outside, like just out into the abyss and you do something else. And then you, that's how you turn invisible and invincible. Hmm. And, um, you know, like who tests for that? You know, I, so, I mean, you do, you do all the like exploratory testing you can, but you, you know, you're not, not necessarily going to find everything. That's just the way it works. And so, so I'm just, <laughs> sorry guys, that sucks. <laughs> Especially when it's like a, like a limited time thing. It's only out for a week or whatever. And it's like, right. well, I, I mean, well, I, it's fucked. I guess you're taking it down. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, with all the time and effort that was put into it, you know, it's just, it, it sucks. And I know personally how much it sucks. So yeah, I'm for just, sure. For sure. Um, yeah. I, I think, uh, as of today, they did, uh, drop a pretty big patch, which I think theoretically has fixed it. Um, so, so hopefully folks can go and enjoy that, that new mode. Um, so this, did that, did this that actually happen to you, Dave? Like when you were in a game, did that glitch? Happen? Oh yeah. Anybody who's worked live ops for long enough has one. I mean, you just, um, Oh, I mean, I mean like when you were playing rainbow six, did you experience that glitch? Like did someone abuse it while you were playing? Oh yeah. 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 I, I, I played and, and, I played one match, and in the two rounds that I played, it, the I was on defense, and the attackers were all invisible. Oh, like man. I was just sitting there watching a corner, and then I died. And the the bullet hit markers were coming from in front of me, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And then I looked at the kill cam, and it was definitely just like a dude crouching his way toward <laughs> me down the hall. And I was looking down, and then he just knifes me, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" And then, oh god! And then the next uh, round, it happened again, and I was just like, "Oh!" And I I looked it up, and it's just like, "Yeah, okay, that's yeah. that's yeah. brutal. That's unfortunate." I mean, like even I not in the same space, but like with the video work that I do, if I like send a client a find like a finished video and there's like one little mistake that I missed in the final version, I just start like sweating and I'm like, Oh fuck. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to like have that in the final version. So I can only imagine what that would feel like on a triple A game where like, you know, millions of people are, are seeing this. Yeah. And, and the rainbow there. six fan base is such a kind and understanding group of people. <laughs> yeah. So you know that there's definitely no, no bad feelings there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think the last sort of quick story I, I really wanted to to cover before we get into our main topic uh, is the fact that uh, quite a number of employees at Blizzard um, are organizing on uh, the company Slack to talk about pay increases. Um, so, so one of the reasons why this is notable is the fact that um, collective action and collective organization within not just video games, but within like the tech space is very, very rare. 
Uh, we're starting to see more discussions about this in video games. We are starting to see a little bit more action, but the fact that it's happening at such a large company with so many employees um, and, and at such a renowned company as like Blizzard is, I think, definitely newsworthy. Um, so essentially what um, what employees are asking for are um, uh, changes to how promotions are being doled out, increases to vacation time and pay bumps for members of customer service and quality assurance. Um, and yeah, so, so this was sort of put together on, on the company's Slack. So two important things to note. Uh, one, in terms of collective action and uh, collective bargaining, those are super simple asks. Those are like bare bones, like bottom of the barrel asks when you are collective bargaining. So, you know, it, it, they're, they're not ask, ad, asking for much. Uh, two, if you're doing that type of organization, don't do it on work shit. Don't do it on Slack. Like find private channels where you can talk about that because your bosses are going to be watching. Um, that's that's just me editorializing. Um but uh, but because of this, a lot of the folks at Blizzard were also talking about salaries. They were talking about how the fact uh, that Blizzard it notoriously underpays, especially junior staff. Um, so people were actually sharing um, salaries just sort of they could, could could compare notes, right, and sort of see like oh what what is everyone else making, and like then they they would actually have some leverage going into these discussions. So Blizzard says has said that they're going to listen to the employees' requests. And hopefully we'll see some uh, movements on that in the coming uh, weeks. Um, you know, you know, some some uh, folks noted that workers there were being paid less than forty k a year. Um, also, they noted that Bobby Kotick, uh, CEO of Activision Blizzard, made forty million dollars last year. So, uh, interesting discussions happening at Blizzard. I don't know if anyone has uh, thoughts on that. We don't have to dwell on it uh, too too long. Just did you? Uh, have any thoughts on, on, on Blizzard folks talking about pay and, and collective action? Well, yeah, I just think they're being like a little ungrateful because Nintendo only raised their revenue by 540%. That's like measly. <laughs> <laughs> Video games are struggling. I'm obviously being facetious. It's This always happens. Companies always try to exploit employees. They want to get top tier talent for bottom tier dollars. It just always it's just how it is now, which is really unfortunate because I like I listen to a podcast that talks about history a lot and they just talk about how they used to have not necessarily Blizzard, but a lot of companies would have paid internships where they're like they're paying you to go to school and work at the company. And now it's just expected that you get the school first, you have some experience and you come in entry level and get paid peanuts. And then if you ask for a raise or try to unionize, they fire you. So it's just disappointing to hear that this is ongoing in all yeah. sorts of industries yeah for sure uh ted i don't know did you have any thoughts on 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 the blizzard stuff um not really i mean i i guess like you said like organizing in slack like in i don't know on the company's time might be kind of like it's a they might see it and like shut it down i don't mm-hmm. know if it's better to just kind of do kind of a hail hydra secret behind the scenes thing <laughs> be a little more secret about it guys. i don't know if that's the group yeah. they want to associate with but <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure for sure like they should be like whispering at their desk like we want a raise <laughs> <laughs> i did like in the article where they mentioned that they sent out um they're doing an anonymous spreadsheet just putting people's yeah. salaries mm-hmm. I took i'd a be look curious at it, to yeah. see the salaries where i work to be honest mm-hmm. yeah because the sure. whole idea of uh not sharing your salary with your coworkers is more beneficial to the company than it is to you as yeah, an employee. Absolutely. absolutely. It is. 
there's there's no benefit to an employee not being able to talk about how much they make with the yeah. rest of their employees. So yeah, or their yeah. coworkers, I mean. Yeah, for sure. Um, David, I won't press you too much on this since you are working in the, in the biz. Um, okay, let, let's move on to the next story. <laughs> I mean, I can talk about it. I'm, I'm comfortable talking about it in um, general. Like my my first job was uh, less than forty thousand dollars a year in mm-hmm. Canada dollars. Right. So, um, and that was as a uh, as a community person. It was the same thing for QA. Like community people and QA people are in general underpaid they they just are like they they ought to be making more money than they are um and even even when i uh moved on to being a designer um not in my current job but at a at a previous job a a group of us got together and we actually did talk about what we were making um we didn't like get together to talk about that it just kind of it sort of came up somebody kind of like mentioned it and then well with somebody what happened is somebody mentioned what they made and another person with the same job title went you make what? Because they were making like 15 grand less than that person. Right. <laughs> like not just like a little bit, like a, you know, a significant a yeah. difference in money. And we're all just like, uh, and I'm sitting in my head. I'm like, well, I'm kind of like between the two of those guys. You know what I mean? Like you, you start like doing the math and everybody came out. We're just, it was a, you know, there's a group of about six of us. We all the same job title, not necessarily the same amount of experience, but like similar amounts of experience. It wasn't like, you know, somebody had one year and somebody had 15 years or something like that, like all within, you know, um, kind of like four to six years of experience. And and we were all, every single one of us was making a different amount of money. Right. Um, you guys are getting paid. <laughs> are getting paid. It, it was, it was one step above that. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, I think I think in general people are afraid to talk about what they um, about what they make because they're afraid that they're they're either embarrassed about it because they think it's low or they're afraid that their coworkers will get mad at them because it's they think yeah. that they're making more than the right. other person. Yeah. And I guarantee nobody is going to get mad at you or feel bad for you based on like how much you make in comparison to them. The only person to be mad at if you feel, if you genuinely feel like you're being undervalued, the person to be mad at is your employer. That's a conversation you need to have. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, and, and this is, uh, again, not a problem that is not just specific to, to video games or the tech sector. This is just like a, Hey, y'all just want to talk about capitalism for the next two hours. Cause we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, John would love that. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, the, the main topic, uh, that I really wanted to dig into this week was, uh, the fact that Apple has essentially confirmed that cloud gaming services like, Microsoft's xCloud and Google Stadia violate the App Store guidelines and will not be supported on that platform as they exist or as they were intended to roll out. Um, So this is actually pretty big news considering xCloud was going to be a major component of Xbox's strategy moving into this next gen. You know, Google has been uh, limping along with with Stadia since its rollout last year, and, and they've definitely been trying to uh, improve it and, and sort of, you know, see uh, what, what they can make of that platform and sort of get it a, a, across as many uh, services and, and devices as they possibly can. Um, but this is a, a pretty big deal. Um, so I'm just going to uh, read a couple paragraphs from uh, Nick's stats piece here on The Verge. Uh, so he says, uh, cloud gaming is shaping up to have a big moment on mobile starting next month uh, with the launch of Microsoft's X cloud service, but iOS users are getting left out. 
and now we know exactly why. Apple won't allow those products because of strict app store guidelines that make cloud services like xCloud and its competitor Google Stadia effectively impossible to operate on the iPhone. We already knew there was some issue likely app store related as to why Stadia wasn't available for Apple devices and why Microsoft service would likely face a similar fate. It seemed even more likely that xCloud's fate on iOS was sealed yesterday when Microsoft cut off iOS testing for its xCloud app well ahead of its September 15th launch date on Android. Uh, NVIDIA's GeForce Now service is also similarly Android only when it comes to phones, even though that platform technically lets you access titles you already own. But Apple has finally come out and said in a statement to Business Insider that these kinds of cloud services are in violation of App Store guidelines and cannot, in their current forms, ever exist on iOS. Uh, The primary reason they offer access to apps Apple can't individually review. Um, so, So basically... Things like uh, Steam Link um, or even um, I I think there's a service called Shadow. The way that they get around this is that you are essentially accessing a a remote desktop, right? So whether that is uh, a desktop that you have access to or one that you're renting from another service, whereas these services, xCloud and Stadia, you are just streaming from a server or from a cloud. So uh, the app store cannot sort of verify uh, whatever individual app or game that is going to be, you know, that the user is going to be accessing. So I think this is a a really tough thing to unpack because on its face, you can kind of be like, oh, okay, they're, they're trying to protect users. They want to ensure that they can verify each app before you know it gets into the user's hands to, so that they're not getting a, you know just some garbage or something that's exploitative or something that has malicious code uh, but then you look at the app store itself and you're just like really really are you are you, are you that picky with like the stuff that goes up there um but i think the the other side of that argument is that oh this is just anti-competitive like apple is probably working on a similar service uh whether it's a game service or, or a similar streaming service um and they just don't want these platforms on ios devices um so so this is a a pretty big move from apple to sort of shut down these these services so um i, I don't know uh ted what did, what did you sort of think about uh this news that that apple is just putting their foot down yeah i mean it's like they can kind of do whatever the hell they want but it's also it just seems unnecessarily restrictive in terms of like something something cool that could come out of it like apple allowing games on their platform in a cloud service would be fucking awesome but um i don't know it's just it kind of kills like a creative spirit when companies do something like that and it's obviously like anti-competitive like they just want to kind of get a they want to push microsoft out of out of you know potentially a lot of money so yeah absolutely and i think that the the other aspect of that that you kind of hinted at is that like if if Microsoft had their own service on the App Store, they could monetize it themselves, right? And sort of like cut out Apple's thirty yeah. percent that they get on on all of their sales on their store, right? Because if you're yeah. sub- subscribed via their app, then you don't have to worry about it. Um, just a little. What did you What did you think about this news? Because I know you're you're always kind of thinking about like, hmm, should I get like an Nvidia Shield? Should I get a Steam Link? How, how can I like? you know, sort out my house so that I can like just get games everywhere all the time. <laughs> I have both. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever use the steam link though. Um, I was just going to say, it's disappointing coming from Apple just because this is just, the, this is the kind of stuff that sinks 
not necessarily companies. I don't think this is going to sink Apple by any means. They're an extremely successful company. But these are the things where you just become, what's the word? Hegemony? Is that the word I want to use? Like a monopoly? It's just so much like they're so closed off in their system. They don't want to let anyone play in their sandbox. And it's just gets really frustrating. It's part of the reason why I don't I haven't had an iPhone in a few years now. It's just because I felt really restricted in iOS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I prefer it if all these companies played nicely together. I wish PlayStation played nicely with Microsoft and Nintendo and allow cross-play in certain things. But, you know, I get why they're doing it. They probably feel, like Ted said, like they want to get that, that money. If they can't get the 30% cut, they don't want none. Yeah, so sure. I've I feel like it's fractures the consumer base more and more and makes people become more tribal about, Oh, I have an iPhone. So like, if it's not an iPhone, then it's trash kind of thing. And I'm like, that's not really true. Cause like when I got an Android phone, I had people being like, Oh, your, 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 your text box are green. Gross. I'm like, what? Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have a blue text box. I'm, I'm still hurt. Obviously. <laughs> um, and, and like the the iOS like marketplace is like a huge marketplace. It's like what one billion, one point five billion users or something like that. So, wow, it, it is it that. is often in in like a company's best interests to try and get on those platforms. So like I could mm-hmm. see Microsoft and and Google adapting or or changing the way that those services work. But at, uh, I could see them potentially doing that because they would want access to the iOS platform, but at the same time, they probably already invested like millions and millions, if not billions of dollars in the infrastructure and the hardware to get these systems running that to completely redesign how they work could be like, it, it, it could be like a colossal task that, that they, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're running the numbers about like the cost benefit analysis and like whether it would be, be even worthwhile to do this. Um, David, David, what, what are your thoughts on all this? I mean, honestly, you guys, you guys have, covered a lot of what i was thinking of i i think i think one of the bigger reasons is because they can't find a way to get their 30 percent. i mean right. they make so much money off of app sales and app purchases and uh iphone users are typically higher spending than android users it's a little insider info for you guys oh. um <laughs> it's almost as if you worked in mobile games or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you're you're going to have fewer users um, they have a smaller market share, but I mean, I, I just quickly Googled it. I, I, I don't know how necessarily correct this is, but it seems reasonably correct. But like iOS is, you know, 20, 24% of the world market share. So, I mean, if you're basically saying that you're going to, as Microsoft, you want to get in on that, that's 20, you know, you're just going to take whatever you could make possibly and just take 24% off of it. Right. That's, that's huge. That's, um, as far as you know, uh, being able to put your product out on certain platforms, but yeah, the yeah they they want their dollar. That's it. I that's what I think it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. They might they might be making their own um, their own um, uh, like game streaming service, but somehow I I I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe because they have their Apple Arcade, but the Apple Arcade is a very curated experience. And that's like always Apple's thing is everything is curated for you, right? Mm. You don't need to search around. We're only ever going to offer you the best of everything. 
Um, again, a quick look around the app store says maybe that's not always true, but like, <laughs> um, that's certainly like the vibe that they try to give off. And the idea that there would be a platform on their platform that's offering up experiences that they don't have control over, that they don't have approval of, that they're not getting their dollar out of. Um, I mean, I get it. It yeah. sucks, but I get why they're not gonna, why they're not gonna go for that. There's also probably just like a lot of like legal standing in like again like all of those you know end user license agreements and terms and services and stuff that you're agreeing to um you're not able to like they they know that when you agree to use an app it's an app that they've reviewed and that you are coming into their environment in an approved way and stuff like that and they don't know that for any game that's on the x cloud like if you were to actually go through their current um, approval process. Getting an app approved on Apple takes a lot longer than it takes to get approved on Google Play. We would always submit the Apple build, you know, a week or two weeks before, because it would take that long right. to get approved, um, because they just take a little bit more time on it. Um, and so, I forgot where I was going with that. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I, I mean, I was know, gonna, I was gonna add like, you, their reasoning was that they couldn't individually rate and review yeah. each game that gets put on the cloud. But um, they have other apps on their store like Crave or HBO or anything that have shows that I'm sure they don't individually review. They're just kind of their self-contained you know, services. And they have shows on there that might not be within the guidelines of Apple, but yet they still exist. So I feel like That's this, what they had said in their reasoning of being not being able to review is just kind of a it's obviously not truthful. Like they could, if it was beneficial to them to do it, they would do it. Even if it was like not really, you know, in line with their guidelines. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that, this just must not be a profitable solution for them. So yeah, that, that's yeah. a, that's a really good point. And, and I think like I, I mentioned, like maybe they're working on their own streaming service and, and to your point, David, like I, I don't actually believe that. Like I think, uh, Apple has, has dabbled in games, but they've never like really taken it seriously. Like the most serious thing they've done was the Apple arcade, right? Where they were like, here's a subscription service. It's going to be a curated experience, but they haven't really done much with it. It's sort of like languished, you know, like every now and then like a big punchy title comes out, but it, but it's, it, it's not, it's not like, uh, as exciting as it was at launch. And, and I think the other side of this is, is like, if, if they allow these services onto their platform, there, there are these vectors for for players to sort of divert from the traditional app store because like why would I play a mobile game and pump money into a mobile game on the app store when I can play Gears of War five, you know, on my phone mm. and like I could and and Microsoft and Sony and uh, you know all, you know all all the sort of the big players have been investing in major studios and uh, you know for for decades. So like they have the cachet, they have the resources to create experiences that are literally second to none uh, in the industry. So I think that that is another aspect that um, Apple might be thinking about. But but I, I, again, like I, I think at the end of the day, as we've all sort of said, it comes down to that thirty percent. It's like if they're not getting their cut, sure. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um. Anyways, does anyone else have any any final thoughts on on the Apple X Cloud stuff? I'm thinking about getting an Android next, to be honest. Not because of this, but just like, mm -hmm. I don't yeah, because because just a little, I know you made the 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 switch like a, quite a while ago. Um, yeah, and, and like, 
at first I was like, you're crazy, man. You're crazy. Like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> but, but, but the last yeah. iPhone I had was, was the four. I mm-hmm. think that was the last Same. iPhone I had. Yeah. Too. Okay. So, so just a little, what, what sort of like got you into the Android ecosystem and like what's kept you there? I used to jailbreak all of my iPhones and other people's yep. iPhones if they asked. And after a while, I just kind of got tired of it because a lot of the things that I was jailbreaking my iPhone for, I could just get on stock Android. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I know there's uh, something called root, rooting on Android phones. I haven't done that yet. I haven't felt the need. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what made me switch just because mm-hmm. I got sick of jailbreaking. I, I bricked an Android phone by rooting it. Um, <laughs> it belonged to a game studio, not to me, so that was fun. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my fourth Android phone, I think. Yeah. yeah. I'll be honest, like iPhones work really well when you have all of your devices set up on the like on the Apple systems. Yes. But integration is when you have a mixed bag of Android devices with Apple devices, everything like that, it just it systems break down and like compatibility issues just rise everywhere. Yeah. And I'm finding I have I'm, I work on a PC um, and I have an iPhone and it's just there's a lot of synchronous issues that just don't work and yeah for sure like i'm the exact same way ted like that these days I, I i never use my mac so the 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 fact that i'm still using an ios phone kind of seems a little bit counterintuitive so anyways mm-hmm. this has been phone chat on shelf games um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the games that we are playing and let's talk about the stuff that we're taking off the shelf uh first up uh david tell me about this little game called starcraft 2 I don't know if you've heard it. Little indie studio called Blizzard. Um, <laughs> Pay their employees uh, quite well. That's <laughs> what I hear. Um, they, yeah. So this this is this is a a real like off the shelf game. I've owned it since it came out. Which, by the way, this game came out five years ago. I it I feel like it wasn't that long ago. But Legacy of yeah. the Void came out five years ago. And StarCraft 2 came out 10 years ago. Like, I logged into this, and it was just like, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it just feels like a very long time ago. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it was it was kind of one of those games that was... Um, I saw that one of my uh, one of my friends on Discord was playing StarCraft 2, and I, I just thought the other day, wow, I should I should log in, just see see where I'm at in StarCraft 2. And then I, I saw that I'd only played, like, two of the levels in Legacy of the Void. And so... And that was on... Friday and I finished it on Sunday. Like I just powered through the whole, the whole thing. Super fun RTS. I don't know if you guys knew that, but Starcraft Two, it's a good RTS. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I played a lot of Brood War, um, sort of the expansion of the first Starcraft on my computer that was not hooked up to the internet. So I was just like playing Brood War by myself, um, yeah. and, and I absolutely loved it. Um, but like, I feel like because StarCraft Two is also quite old at this point, like I don't know, would it be worthwhile going back to it, or or like would there be more recent RTS games that have sort of had quality of life improvements that would maybe be a better entry into that genre? Mm, or is StarCraft I mean, you just like still fucking slay like all and is like still one of the better yeah, ones? It's it's good. It's a good game. Uh, like when it comes to RTS games, you know, they, they end up playing a lot different. Like nothing quite feels like Starcraft. And when it comes to 
when it comes to it, it like when you're looking at the um, cutscenes and stuff, they're starting to show their age like a little bit. Um, but I mean, the 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 graphics still look great. I mean, like they've got such a kind of stylized that stylized like Blizzard kind of chunky look to them that um, you know years later it still looks good, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, it's not something that um, that kind of degrades with time. Um, so like it looks good, it plays really well, and uh, one thing that they did with all of the campaigns, you know, Wings of Liberty, then Heart of the Swarm, and now Legacy of the Void, is that um, there are kind of these very sort of, very sort of kind of like simple RPG-esque mechanics in them. You know, you're you're leveling up your ship, which gives you abilities in your, uh, while you're playing the mission, you have a lot of choice on like kind of how you want to build that out in order to help you and your play style when you're actually in a mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and choosing, you know, every one of your units will actually have like three different variations, you know, that again, you can kind of pick and choose, you know, the the build and the layout that fits for you and, and kind of, I don't know, I think, I think gameplay like that and, and choices like that really just kind of last. Mm-hmm. Um, they're always fun. It always feels good to just play the game kind of how you want it to, which is definitely Void Prisms, who's laser beam splits off into more laser beams that channel into other units and you just build 60 of them um just how i played <laughs> um and then just geared my entire economy into building up void prisms but um yeah and the missions are all uh they're fun they all have kind of their own little usually it's some variation of go to a place and capture it or kill it or stay at a place and either defend it or kill it and then, um, but there's usually some kind of like one up there in every mission that 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 adds adds a quirk and adds like kind of a, a little twist on what you're doing. And you, that's always kind of fun to to have to work your way around it. And it's just, yeah, I think years later, it's still just a very well-made game. Awesome, cool. I'm yeah. gonna have to are there, back and check it out. Are there cheat codes in that game? I don't think there's cheat codes. Um, okay. I think so yeah, no, I cut my RTS no. teeth on on uh, Age of Empires. So like yeah. every cheese, time I play an RTS, Jimmy's. what's that? <laughs> cheese stick Jimmy's. Cheese stick Jimmy's, man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Next up, Chisulo, tell me about Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, is that the one I want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> it was on your list. <laughs> I put three games on my list. <laughs> Which one do you want to talk about, Chisulo? Well, I played God of War. I wish I'd played... Here's what I'll say. I wish I'd played Horizon Zero Dawn first and then God of War because okay. I could not really get into the story of Horizon Zero Dawn mm-hmm. as much. Just And not because I don't think the story is interesting, but just the way that God of War delivers story is just so masterful. Mm-hmm. And then trying to get into the story in Horizon Zero Dawn, I just felt it was kind of tedious where I'm having to scan things and like stop to listen to them. And I'm afraid like if I do something else, those cut off the audio logs. And I'm just like, Ugh, I just don't want... The way yeah. God of War does stories is so good. God it, of War is an amazing it, game. Is there is there anything like sort of keeping you going through Horizon Zero Dawn, or or did you just kind of like dabble and you're kind of like, well, you know, I, I've been distracted by God of War and other things at this point. Well, I played God of War, finished that story mode. I didn't like 100 percent it or anything, mm-hmm. uh, or get all the trophies, platinum, whatever. I don't know. I'm new to PlayStation. I don't know what the terminology <laughs> is. <laughs> And uh, then I moved on to Horizon Zero Dawn, and I finished the main story. And then there's some DLC called Into the Frozen Wilds, mm-hmm. and I started playing that. But then I'm like, eh, 
I just didn't really feel the need to keep going with it. So I moved on to Red Dead Redemption 2, which is what I'm currently playing. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Red Dead 2. Um, okay, so I'll talk out of war then. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk out of war. Love it. Great game. <laughs> I think, like, it's just the story. I don't know if everyone here has played it. Uh, John, I know you've played it. David, yeah. have you played God of War? Yeah, I, I don't own a PS4, but I actually I, I borrowed a friend's PS4 just to play it. Just played it in a weekend. Yeah, It's very good. Yeah, It's such a good game. I was like touched by the story. Like I was actually touched by the story. I It's beautiful. Mm-hmm just the way it looks and i mean it, it's challenging like even on the normal difficulty i died quite a few times before i got the handle on the controls and even then there's certain times i'd like find a valkyrie and just get my face smashed in Valhalla! And like, <laughs> i kind of want to make that a ringtone i'm not gonna lie <laughs> so love god of war i could recommend it to anybody i recommended it to my sister who i don't think will ever play it but still yeah, uh, I, I think like that game um, did a terrific job, like drawing in people like myself who weren't even like fans of, of the original franchise, but were just like so interested in this like new take in sort of the Sony house style of like being more cinematic and being more like story and like character focused. And but at the same time, it's still like a very very competent and very very good action game. Um, yes, and you know, without spoiling anything, like the the mechanics of the game change over time as, as you progress through the game in, in like really fascinating ways that that are also like quite compelling um and yeah just like the world that they they crafted was like absolutely incredible the music's great the, the fucking acting is great like it's just like yeah. uh, i don't use this word like um frivolously but it's like a masterpiece like top to bottom you know absolutely honestly top top 10 games i haven't really thought about what my top 10 all-time games are but the way i feel about it right now i could easily put it in my top 10 Mm-hmm. I will two things I want to mention. Like I said, the story is great, and just the way they deliver the story, you don't. There is stuff to read, but like a lot of the story is delivered through just characters interacting, and you paddle around a lot. You'll be in a canoe a lot, and there'll be certain times where one of the characters will be telling me a story, and I'm like, Ooh, I'm not going to dock it. I'm just going to paddle in circles so I can hear <laughs> the end of the story because I'm that interested. Yeah, and I uh, just but, love. But- but but they also okay. do sorry no they also do like a really interesting mechanical thing there where like if you do dock they're just like you know what we'll pick this up uh, later you know they, yes. it's it's like a very natural break in the story where there's like oh you know like like finish that another time and then when you get back in, in sort of the the travel mode in the canoe they're just like oh hey can you tell me about that thing that that you mentioned last time and and again it all feels like very natural and they kind of like cut that in and out very very well yeah that was done really well but I was just so interested I'm like you know what before I go and explore more, I just want to hear the story because the original God of War games were about Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, this most recent version is about Norse mythology, which I've been more interested in lately because I watched Vikings and Marvel has also done a lot of Norse mythology with Thor and Odin and Loki mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah. God of War, highly recommend. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Ted, can you tell me about Return of the Obra Dinn? Oh boy, sure. Um, yeah, Return of the Obra Dinn. We, we kind of started up a monthly indie game, kind of like a book club with a bunch of friends of mine. And last month's game was Return of the Obra Dinn by Lucas Pope. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing f- gameplay footage of it, I was like, eh, this kind of looks like an interesting experience. Not typically the kind of game I'd like to play. 
Um, but that's the beauty of, of these like kind of projects where you have to play this game and you get immersed into it and you're like, oh, this is something I wouldn't have experienced otherwise. Right. Um, describing the game to people, it's kind of hard because the thing you start out with is you're an insurance adjuster from the 1800s, which is like, <laughs> hey, super fun game. Yeah. Um, well, well sorry, sorry. First, can you start with like the way the game looks? Because it's almost like that like ASCII art. Like, like, uh, like super yeah, old, like, like PC, super dithered. Like, um, I don't even know what system that is trying to emulate, like old Macs, I guess, or mm-hmm. it's, you, you just need to look it up and see. It's a very unique looking game. Um, I understand Lucas Pope, the creator of the game. He started with that art style in mind and he was just, he just wanted to build a game around that. So that was kind right. of the, the start of everything for him. Um, but like I said, the game is you're an insurance adjuster uh, from the 1800s, and you're trying to figure out this this uh, trader ship uh, just kind of showed up back on the shores after being gone for, I think, years. And everyone on board um, is either dead or missing. So you're supposed to go on there and figure out what happened to everyone on board, how the people or how the corpses that you find on there, like how they were killed. Um, and kind of the mechanic in the game is you have a pocket watch that... If you find a corpse on board, it shows you the last like thirty seconds of their life. Like you see it, and you, it's a frozen scene of of them, whatever is happening to them. And you can walk around, and you can investigate, and you can kind of see what happened. Um, and yeah, it all just kind of connects from there. It's a very challenging puzzle game. Like the start, it, it starts fairly easy to kind of get you kind of oriented with how the game works. But then as you progress, it gets increasingly more difficult. And, uh, and yeah, I, it's just a very cool experience. It was probably one of the best games I've played this year. Um, and the music that he, that he made for it is just, I listen to it when I'm working. Like, it's just such a cool soundtrack. And, and the game itself really transported me to, like, that time and era. And, like, I f- it, it almost like I needed to play in one sitting to kind of keep all the information in my head and just kind of be immersed in that experience. And, yeah, sure. oh, man, it was, it was so good. I loved it. It's it's interesting because like like I'm terrible at puzzle games, so I actually really struggled playing this. Um, so I, eventually, I kind of got to a point where I'm like, man, I don't fucking know. So I would like, <laughs> I would just like go to like a wiki and like quickly look up like what the next answer was, and then try and figure out the puzzle again. Um, yeah. So I kind of cheated on the back like third of the game, I guess, to to get through it. But but it is really interesting because like you said, you kind of like when when you find a corpse, you get that like scene of like how they died. And in that scene, there are like all these other characters on the ship and you're trying to identify them. And you're just like, okay, I think that looks like the first mate based on this like shitty photo that I have of the entire crew. And then you're like, okay, the first mate is pointing a gun at this person, but they didn't pull the trigger. So I don't think they killed that person with this gun. So how did this person die? So so you're just like trying to figure that all of these, you have all these puzzle pieces and you're trying to put them together and at the end of the day, like you ha- you basically have to fill out your book, right? You basically have to say like, so and so killed by falling mast, you know, mm-hmm. Ac- mm-hmm. ruled ruled accidental, you know, pay out X to family members, or so and so killed by captain, but was uh, a mutineer, does not receive payment, or something like that, right? So it's yeah, it, it's it's really funny that you're just like tr- trying to see like who who gets paid out by the insurance company and who doesn't. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, I I don't want to give anything away because the story goes to some really interesting places, but, uh, yeah, yeah, 
I, definitely I, I wanted to start talking about like some of the individual deaths, but I realized that that is very spoilery and I won't get into <laughs> that. But yeah, the game itself is just so much fun. I think it's like 10 bucks on Steam. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was super fun. And uh, yeah, very cool. I just Googled uh, this game just because I was curious to see what it was. And I can honestly say this is not a game I would look twice at twice yeah, yeah. so i do love the idea of a book club for video games that sounds like a really mm-hmm. cool yeah and um sorry to sidetrack but one of the main mechanics is if you when you guess three correct in your like insurance adjuster book right. then yeah. they get locked in the book and you know like they are correct like you don't need to spend any more time on them mm. and man when that happens like the screen just goes like it goes black and the dopamine hit that you get you're just like <laughs> fuck yes like <laughs> i am so smart and, yeah i haven't had a game do that to me in in quite some time so it was very cool awesome uh speaking about dopamine hits uh david tell me about modern warfare <laughs> okay that game <laughs> uh yeah because well, well, not... we, we, we've been talking a lot about Warzone on, on the show recently because we've all kind of fallen into that battle royale but you specifically yeah. wanted to talk about the campaign like the single player story yes so i i actually i realized you know i, I bought this game i might as well actually you know play everything that it's giving me um and so i a little while ago i had played you know just the first mission or the first couple missions or whatever and then yesterday i just I got through all of it. I think I've got two missions left. I'm going to go after this. I'm just going to go finish it. Um, and it's, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like it, they, they do a lot of the same, um, your typical call of duty, like shock value moments. Like they, they really try to try to hit you with those, you know, the, the screen will go up from black and there's just like a dead body in your face and, and, Oh, it's, yeah, I don't want to spoil things, but yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of shock value in the game. And it's one of those things that gets like a little old because I know that you're just trying to like shock me into an emotion as opposed to like developing a character that I care about. I'll like something like God of War, like God of War is a slow burn in that game but by the end of it um without even kind of realizing it in some cases you're just like oh my god i love all of these characters like you know and that's not the case with modern warfare so far (laughs) and i've only got two missions left so i don't know if they're gonna hit me with that um but yeah it does do some like really really crazy things again one of the things that modern warfare is or call of duty in general is probably known for is those those cinematic moments where you're still in control, right? The the one of the more famous ones would be like in the very first Modern Warfare, where the nuclear bomb goes off, right? And right. and you're you're they they don't just show you a cinematic of that; they make you crawl out of the helicopter and die, kind of <laughs> thing. Spoilers for like a 15 year old game, but yeah. um, and then you know Modern Warfare two, the somewhat infamous like no Russian, um. Mm-hmm mission where you go into an airport and you have the option like the airport gets shot up and it's sort of up to you on whether or not you participate in that right and they, they kind of like put put morality on the player um in in those moments um which has never really felt like it definitely just feels like uh, oh what are you gonna do and not like actually that important to decision because the same thing happens no matter what yeah, yeah. um but in this game they did a couple things 
you know, like I just have to talk about it, and I honestly don't know how I feel about it one way or the other. But that game, in most first-person shooters, and it, that take place in a somewhat realistic or at least based on reality kind of world, have this idea that if you shoot civilians, you fail the mission, right? Like you can't just go around shooting civilians unless it's the no Russian mission. But like um, typically you shoot a civilian and just like in this game, you shoot a civilian and um, and you fail the mission. You have to restart a checkpoint, um, but not always. And there are scenarios where you absolutely can shoot civilians. Um, and I found a few of them. One is when a civilian is being held hostage by um, an enemy and you shoot through the civilian, it doesn't fail the mission. And another time is um, occasionally civilians will go, um, civilians, I guess, will go and like it'll look like they're going to reach for a gun. And if you shoot them in that moment, again, you don't, um, you don't fail the mission for doing that. And it's just a really weird stance to take on like when, like gamifying when it is or isn't okay to like shoot people who are like maybe or maybe not non-combatants and then and then one of the like one of the things that happened is and and you'll have seen this and this isn't much of a spoiler because you'll have seen this in like the trailers but there's you know a mission where you're clearing a house and it's nighttime you put the night vision goggles on and like you're going room to room quietly with the team of like sas people and clearing the clearing the house um but there was there was one moment where i go into a room and it's like it's just like a like a woman and her kid kind of a thing and i'm just like oh shit but then she went and grabbed a gun because a person who is also holding a gun just like came into this room with her and her kid in it and she like goes a gun and points it at me and i shoot her and she um because she shot at me and and you have this moment of like well man i really wish you hadn't reached for the gun like god damn it kind of a thing and then you go I realized like on, as, as that house continued, there would be um, civilians in a room who are definitely civilians. And I just kept my gun pointed at them and would like walk forward until they had like backed into a corner. And I knew that they weren't going to pick up a gun on me because I refused now to turn my back on anybody. And it's just like, <laughs> that's actually super fucked that they got me into a behavior where I now no longer try. I, I was just like, no, no, I'm not going to turn my back on anybody. I'm going to like, come in and not like hesitate anymore. I'm going to keep my gun trained on you and I'm going to back you into a corner until you like fully submit. And I know you're not going to right. shoot at me kind of a thing. And that would be a super, super interesting like behavior to have actually pulled out of players and to have actually put players in a scenario where they are questioning you know, the, the nature of their combat zone and, and stuff like that, which would be like an amazing dialogue on modern combat in these like livable zones, except that they don't have a dialogue about that at all in this game. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, it's just a thing. And like it, there's one time that a question is asked about it and price just goes, yeah, that's what we do. It's totally fine. You made the right decision. It's like, Oh, okay. I guess I'm in the right. And it's just, you know, and uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where like, I feel like that would have been such an interesting aspects to explore to explore like the actual ability that they had to create a certain behavior in players and create this scenario where you don't feel safe in the game and you're actually doing things that are 
morally ambiguous, not because it's just a game and oh, who cares, but because you're actually naturally just falling into those behavioral patterns. Um, except that that's not what the game's about, so they don't really talk about it at all. And yeah, it's just yeah, like, oh, that seems like a huge missed opportunity, except it's that game is pretty black and white on who the good guys and bad guys are, and you're the good guy, so no matter what you do, it's good. And so yeah. it's like, well, okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember when the, when the game came out, there, there was a lot of uh, talk around the marketing about them sort of being like, oh, war can be ambiguous, and you never know if you're making the right decision. Um and a lot of critique that was sort of levied against like how they executed on that. So hearing that from you kind of makes me roll my eyes even more and just be like, oh, okay. Um, because on, on one side of their marketing, they're saying like, oh, war is serious. We've got to take it seriously in our portrayals of it. And on the other side of, of things, they're just like, look how cool the fucking guns are and look how great they sound or yeah. li- listen to how cool they are when you shoot them in this building. And, you yeah. know, so it's like, the, 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 yeah, look at that awesome tiger stripe skin. You just leveled up. <laughs> <laughs> tiger stripe. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, so I think, you know, the, the disparity between those two things has never sat well with me. So, um, anyways, Call of Duty is being Call of Duty, it sounds like. Um, Jasulo. Sure, a Call of Duty. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about Red Dead 2. Um, you, you missed you missed me um, talking a bit about this a couple weeks back, so so I'm I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. Well, I'm still fairly early into the game. Um, I'm still in chapter one, actually. Mm-hmm. I just recently started it. It's so interesting because I always it always take I played Red Dead original Red not original Red Dead Redemption. I played the Red Dead Redemption. I played Grand Theft Auto four and five. And there's just always this bump, hump that I have to get over getting to know the controls and the mechanics and what's what. And like, I'm just having like, I'm playing fairly honorable. I'm not really just shooting random people in the face, mostly because I feel like it's too expensive to just shoot people in the face. <laughs> all these bounties yeah, I have down, to bounty gets too high. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I barely have any money. I'm not going to shoot this person in the face. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm upgrading my camp. I'm doing chores. I'm like, am I really playing the game? I'm over here <laughs> filling buckets of water. I hate hunting. I'm terrible at it. Uh, what else? I yeah. like it. For some reason, I like it, even though I can't say I've done anything particularly interesting yet yeah yeah i think i think uh the thing that i sort of hit on is that like it's a beautiful game it's very meticulous in its attention to detail it's very slow in how it wants you to sort of approach its systems and interact with its world um but like when things get action packed or like there's a a fight scene or something the the game get gets in its own way like it's so clunky the controls are terrible in fights i was what was i doing I, I I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast last time, but like I had to like take a cart somewhere and I, I missed the turn. So I like hit a patch of trees and then my horses weren't backing up. And then like the horse clipped through the tree weird. So that it decided that the horse died. So I instantly failed the mission. And then there, there was another time where like I got into a gunfight, but like, and I didn't even have a lot of targets, but like the, like how slow it was for me to like get my gun out track a target pull the trigger a couple times track another target by the time all that was done like i'd been overwhelmed and like instantly failed again like like the instant fail states you can just like walk into them so so easily that i got to a point where even though i spent like 15 hours in the game or something already i was just like i distinctly remember starting it having an experience like that and being like you know what fuck this i'm playing something else like i just i just do not have time for this right now 
<laughs> I just like I was traveling through what I can only refer to as the bayou. Yeah. And, uh, first off, I was terrified of alligators because I'm just like I just don't know. These things look like instant kill machines. <laughs> and then I saw this body hanging, and I went to look at it, and then some dude came out of the trees with a knife, and I shot him. But then like five or six other dudes came out with knives and like, I was trying to like reload my gun and they just like stabbed me to death. It was crazy. Yeah. I'm like, they brought knives to a gunfight. I won. I don't believe it. I believe I got knifed. Yeah. When I had two guns in my hand. <laughs> I'm also terrified of my horse dying, which I just don't like the stress of like kind of care for my horse. Yeah. Uh, again, it's just like this, this game that has so many systems that like, are almost antagonistic to the player and like to, to actually like having fun in the world. You know what I mean? Like I still enjoy it so mm -hmm. far, but I'm definitely like, there's certain things that I'm like, I just can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the way you guys describe it, it, it does sound, I've never played it, but it does sound a lot like GTA. And I think that this is just a, a rock star way of interacting with the world. Like I, I can't, Describe it's honestly 50 50 of when I throw a punch in uh, GTA that it's just like the person's here and I just go, it's just over there, yeah. and yeah, and then you and then you got to like turn around, but like nothing ever, no, nothing ever turns on its position, everything has to like kind of yes. like interpolate a position, like its position around, and like you have to go around everything, you can never just turn you you gotta like swing it's uh, it's, it's awful yeah, yeah. i i think they, they sacrifice a lot of things at the altar of realism um that would be just better gameplay you know and, and that that really sucks except it's not realistic i can turn i can just do that like <laughs> and punch a thing in front of me yeah, I don't think right. I'd be that great in a fight, but I can at least point in a direction and throw a fist. Yeah, <laughs> I did stumble across the KKK, and I enjoyed that. Oh, did you enjoy stumbling across them or killing them? Killing them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to see like, you oh, let them have it, or <laughs> what is that? Is that a burning cross. I'm like, oh, yeah. So, um, what did we lose? And anyways, like I'll, I'll probably go back to Red Dead and, and try and get through it, but but I'll, I'll be curious to see how far you get, Drusilla, and, and what your thoughts are on, on the overall experience. I have limited time, so like it'll take me like so long to play this game if I even ever finish yeah. it. It's okay. We can talk, talk about it for game of the year. <laughs> yes. Um, so the game that I wanted to talk about really, really quickly is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order uh, from Respawn. Um, so I played through this maybe a month ago, maybe a few weeks ago, and... I don't know how I feel about it. Like it's, it's, it's fine. You know, it's, it's a fine, like star Wars game. It's a not great dark souls game. Um, that's what I heard. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a dark souls with, with a, with a star Wars skin on it. And, and I don't think, and I don't think that they, like, like, like what I saw them trying to do is sort of simplifying or like streamlining a lot of like the interesting aspects of dark souls like sort of the the way that the levels were set up and that they were all interlocking and interconnecting that you'd unlock shortcuts and you'd be backtracking here and there and exploring and that sort of thing but like I never had any impetus to explore you know like like the things that you would find like yeah they might be like force upgrades or like cosmetic upgrades but I, for, for the most part I just like wanted to get through it and I just like wanted to see what they had laid out there and 
I just, I don't know, like, like it, it just didn't really strike a, a really good chord with me. I think one of the things that really hamstrung this, the story was the fact that they were hobbled by the fact that Star Wars has to be this very, at least the Star Wars that we know today, since Disney bought them, has to be a very clear cut, good guys, bad guys, good guys sometimes get tempted by the dark side, but they're still good in the end, so it doesn't matter, and then... um they they were they weren't given the room to sort of tell a darker story or like a more mature story, and and I think that was really really frustrating. There are some interesting characters. I think like the the uh, Inquisitor that you're sort of is the main antagonist. I think is one of the most interesting characters, but you don't really get a lot of time with her. Um, I also felt bad that like you were constantly killing monsters and and animals, and I'm just like I'm I'm the invader on this planet. I'm just like rolling through this natural habitat and this monster got in my way. So I sliced it up, but it just lives here. I just like busted into its home and killed this monster who like chills here all the time. And now I feel terrible. Um, also, let me decapitate the, the stormtroopers. I can decapitate the monsters, but I can't de- decapitate the stormtroopers. What are you doing? Let, let, let me, let me do that. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, there, there, there was, there were definitely moments that were that the the game was fun. There, there was some instant fail stuff that I really didn't like in like some of the boss fights or some of the set pieces. Um, the platforming was fine. I don't think it was terrific. I definitely found myself falling to my death way more than I liked, um, and I would just be really, really frustrated by the env- environmental traversal because I just wanted to get through it. I just wanted to get through it to see what was next, you know, see what the next set piece was, see what the next like story beat was. Um, and, and all of that was kind of like really, really frustrating. Um, I don't know. Did anyone else uh, dabble with this, uh, this year video game? Did not. <laughs> I, I picked I it up on mm-hmm. sale, but I haven't touched it. I have seen the running animation. I'm like, that looks so weird. <laughs> Yeah, I, I played it. I never I never finished it. I ended up kind of rage quitting it, um, just because yeah there there there's just one too many instant fail moments where I just felt like that wasn't my fault. Yeah, like I didn't fuck that up. You know, I just got dunked on by you know some random series of events. Um, I think you're right about the traversal. Like it was, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't fun. And given like how much of the game is you just like going from one location to the other, it can't just be can't just be okay. Like it's gotta yeah. be fun to yeah. like, oh, I'm going to actually explore this. And there's a, there's some there there's some puzzle rooms that were like, okay, cool, and like you're kind of figuring it out, and like that was really good. But then there were rooms that were again these puzzle rooms, but it was just like, oh my god, can I can we just be fucking done with this? Like mm-hmm. or a, a big like a very very big open space. Um, that's full of stormtroopers on all kinds of different levels, and you're just like, oh man, like the, this is going to be a fucking chore to get through. And and it's because they all have blasters and you don't, so they are all ranged enemies, um, and they don't do it. And they do it. They do a couple things. So I played Dark Souls for the first time at um, Extra Life with you guys <laughs> um and so that's my only really like other experience with a dark souls or souls like game yeah um and that at least that at least made sense to me because there's 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 something that it did and what it did is i walked into a room within the first five minutes just got dunked on by something like they let me know very early on in dark souls because you're in that like first little castle area 
and you play that and that whole castle area takes you know it was like i'm sure if you're not terrible like me it would take you like 15 20 minutes or whatever to get through that but like that's the game basically they say like this is what the game is we're going to have random story chunks on dead bodies that you find we're going to have bosses we're going to have some random enemies that are going to come around from you and we're going to have a we're going to have boulders that roll downstairs. Right? We're going to have boulders that roll downstairs and just completely fuck you over. And so yeah. you need to just be aware of that. And it's just like, okay, I understand what this game is. And like, once you exit that castle, you're either into it or you're out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I'm out of it, but like you, you at least have an understanding of like what that game is. And Jedi fallen order. They, they, they didn't present the game like that initially. Like it felt more, um, it almost felt like kind of adventure like, oh, this is yeah, sort of like almost like an uncharted. uncharted. Yeah. yeah, uncharted, but you got a lightsaber or whatever. And by the time you get to the third planet, they would do they would do this thing, it was Dathomir, and they would have these Dathomir soldiers, and they would just hide around blind corners so that when you would walk into the hallway, they'd just smash you in the back of the head. And just like it was just a health tax for walking through the door, and because you killed them. But like it's like Okay, so no warning, no telegraphing, no nothing. And you didn't, like, you didn't tell me it was that kind of a game. So, like, stuff yeah. like that just feels frustrating and bad because it's like, man, that's that's half my health or whatever. And yeah. it is, you know, if you want to go heal, like, everything responds. So, like, you have a decision whether or not you're going to heal. And and there was just so many moments that that they were just like, man, that wasn't that wasn't a challenge I had to overcome. That wasn't, like, difficult. That wasn't a puzzle I had to solve. I just walked through a door and... And then I got smashed in the head or there would be um, I forget what planet it was, but there would be these monsters that would like jump out of the mud at you out of the ground. And I don't know if it was a bug or not, but sometimes they wouldn't have their like particle effect of the mud like bubbling. So sometimes it was just just literally just the character. would Sometimes. Yeah, it was just through the geo of the world, this enemy coming at you like there's literally no way you could possibly see it coming. And so like there's yeah, there's just a lot of moments like that that just felt yeah, it was just oh, this is just a health tax. You're not actually yeah. challenging me. There's nothing going on here. You're just yeah. you're just taking health away so, because so, I'm, because I'm walking. So, yeah. so again, I think the game had some interesting ideas, but but I think eh, they almost didn't know what they wanted to do, and, and it didn't feel uh, cohesive. Sorry to interrupt. I'm just gonna step away for a minute. I'll be right back. Yeah, no worries. Um, so yeah, that, that was a little bit frustrating. Uh, anyways, Jedi Fallen Order. I, I think it was fine. I'd be curious to see what they would do with the sequel. Uh, but honestly, people should just go play Titanfall two because that is Respawn's best game. Um, <laughs> and the traversal in it is fucking great. Um, it's it's a really really good video game. Uh, anyways, that's it for for the games. Let's talk about uh, some off or some uh, non gaming recommendations uh, before we uh, close things out. Uh, David, y- you said you wanted to talk about Risotto. Yeah, that's kind of it, honestly. Like, if you're <laughs> if you're trapped, if you're inside in quarantine, and you're like, "Hey, I'm kind of tired of the things that I'm cooking," or I want to try out something new, like a new skill, cooking in this case, um, try risotto. It's fucking delicious, and it's pretty hard to mess up. It's like skill-wise on the same level as cooking hot dogs on a barbecue honestly you just kind of sand there and stir it that's most of what you do um and you can make it taste like whatever you want it to taste like like uh kay and i have done 
like a spicy Italian sausage one. So there's like zucchini in it and it's got uh, the spicy Italian sausage and um, just a ton of garlic and, and onions and stuff in it. And then you put the Parmesan in it and the, uh, the stock and it just gets all creamy and delicious. The other week we tried a beet one. So you mix beet juice in with the chicken stock and it turns into this bright purple risotto. And then you, instead of Parmesan, you mix goat cheese in it, put like some lemon zest. So you get like this super earthy, like beet flavor with like the lemon zest and the goat cheese and stuff. You can honestly just make it like whatever you want to make it. And you just, you're just making like wet rice. Like that's most of what you're doing. So it's really, really easy. That's my recommendation. If you're, if you're looking for something new, just Google a risotto recipe. I guarantee you will not mess it up and it will be delicious because mostly it's garlic so that's that, that sounds fancy as heck because like I, I have a rice cooker so i literally just literally dump in the rice dump in the water walk away and come back um i feel like risotto might might be uh a little intimidating it, but but it sounds fancy it's really not it's okay. super you, you honestly just like put it in a pot and you just stir the rice and you add a little liquid until it absorbs you stir the rice yeah liquid you stir rice and like if you leave it on too long the rice is just going to be like a little softer. If you leave it on too short, the rice is going to be like a little bit more al dente or like, like kind of chewy. That's the only difference. It's still going to taste awesome. Mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, that's all it is. You're not going to mess it up. So just try it out. Okay, cool. Risotto. Try it. I mean, um, last week, my, my recommendation was go look at a tree. So I feel like this is a, <laughs> this a step like, up. A step up. We're doing this weekly now. I don't got weekly yeah. recommendations. <laughs> I'm inside uh, all day. My my reco for uh, this week is going to be uh, a new Netflix series. Um, so this is the first part in a three part um, mini series, and it is uh, Transformers: War for Cybertron. Um, and the first part is called Siege. Um, and this is a little bit confusing because there was a game that came out. Uh, a couple yeah. years back called Transformers War for Cybertron. So these are completely different things. Um, so they build this as an anime, but it's like a, a, a 3D modeled anime on, on Netflix. So I would say anyone who was a fan of the show as a kid, like in the 80s, that sort of classic Transformers, you'll probably, this is essentially made for you. It is like a more mature take on that. Um, they, they what do, if you're they, a fan of Beast Wars? Uh, you'll probably like it. Um, they, they, they do some interesting things with the characters. They, they, they take some interesting risks. They go in new directions. Um, I, I don't want to say too much, but but like even as an old school diehard Transformers fan, I, I was surprised and kind of interested in some of the stuff that they were doing and kind of like, oh, shit, I, I can't believe they did that to that character or that character sort of made this turn. Um, so highly recommend it. Uh, Transformers War for Cybertron uh, Siege. Uh, Jasulo, tell us about uh, solo leveling. When you wrote this, yes. I was I was just like, are you just out here grinding in an MMO by yourself? What is this? No, but that's basically what solo leveling is. It's a uh, Korean manhwa, which is, I, I don't know what manhwa stands for, but it's basically manga, I guess. But the difference is just that manga tends to be uh, black and white a lot of the times, mm-hmm. but the Korean manhwas tend to be colored they have like have the you have like manhwa artist and you have someone who's coloring it. Sometimes it's the same person, but anyway, it's just really well drawn and the way they it's a scrolling vertical scrolling uh, comic 
Mm-hmm. So it's great to read on your phone, or if you just want to read it on a web browser, that's fine as well. And I think the the manual artist for solo leveling is so good at showing perspective and movement with through his drawings. And the story is is it the best story I've ever read? No, but it is one of those stories that you just love to see because there's a character who is straight up living an RPG where he's like, oh, snap, I have to do these things to get these perks. And and so it's it's thir- thoroughly enjoyable. He's solo so, leveling. So is, is he, like, trapped in an RPG, or is he, like, actively He's trapped? not trapped in an RPG. He lives in a world where there are, quote-unquote, heroes who are ranked because, you know, they love to rank their heroes, like, S-class, A-class, A, B-class, B-rank, sorry. They love to rank their heroes, and he happens to be his special ability happens to be that he can continually grow at an exponential rate because he is live his special ability is he has I don't know how to describe it. His special ability is RPG skills. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like no one else can really see. Well. Yeah, he can see like he can see like, oh okay, if I do these things, I'll get these perks. He can see that. No one else can see these things, but he can mm. see it. So he He's living in a world where people are like, how are you doing this? Like, he's, for instance, he's got the game facts. He's got the <laughs> yeah. game facts. So he'll be like looking in his inventory and he can pull something out of his inventory. And people are like, are you using spatial magic? I'm like, he's like, no, not really. He's just in the magic inventory that all game characters have. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So wow. it's just really, I love it. And season two is coming out because it's a, it's something you read, but they, they do it in seasons. So season two is coming out soon, and uh, I'm very excited for that. Awesome. Cool. Might have to tip into that and check it out. Um, uh, so just so your second rec- reco was actually a book. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us about this. Uh, it's called Atomic Habits, and it's a book about building good habits and breaking bad habits. So... When you read it, it's not you're not going to learn anything new. It's it's old information, but it's just a new way to look at old information. So sometimes, you know, you know, we all know, like, these things are good habits, these things are bad habits, but we'll still do them or not do them, depending on if they're good. And it just helps to read about these kind of things every now and then to remind yourself, like, okay, this is why I should do this, or this would help me improve on that, and so on and so forth. Old information, new way to look at it. Okay. Cool. Um, I know I've got a ton of terrible habits that I've never been able to break. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm not done the book. I'm probably just a little over halfway through, but I've definitely, it's definitely making me think about things that are just basically your habits are stuff that run on autopilot. Like you don't even think about them. They're just things you do. So it's, it's definitely having me think about the things I'm doing that are generally automatic that I don't even think about. So I, yeah. on that, I'm only halfway through the book and already I'm like, I do do that a lot. Why am I doing this? Like, I don't even think about it, but I always do it. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Solo level, man. Yeah, I'm trying to solo level. Right. <laughs> Honestly, when you had that in the doc, I'm like, oh, it's like two like self-help books. That's, that's kind of cool. <laughs> one is a comic and one is a self-help book. And now that I think about it, I'm trying to solo level. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Ted, tell me about uh, Stephen King's On Writing. Yeah, so this is actually a book you recommended or you you let me borrow from you, John. Um, yeah, Stephen King's on writing. It's I'm not a writer by any means. It's not like a craft that I'm like, oh my god, I want to be a professional at. Um, but it's always been something that's kind of interested me and and cool hobby to do. Um, and the book is basically a lot a bunch of his kind of insider tips um, as an author of 
of what he does in his in his story writing to really make things punchy and and make things stand out. So I thought it was a really interesting, entertaining read. I'm still I got probably a hundred pages left, um, but I really liked it because he a lot of the book is telling stories about his life and about his kind of comeuppance as a as an author and a writer. And it was really engaging. Obviously, Stephen King is a well-known uh, writer for a reason. And, uh, yeah, I just thought it was really cool that he kind of put his life story into it and kind of almost ended each chapter or each section with kind of a little tip or a little tidbit of, of something that you can employ on your own writing that can improve it. Um, and, uh, yeah, even if you're not interested in writing, I still think it's a really interesting read. Yeah, for and, sure. And, yeah. No, I, I think like a lot of the lessons that you can pull from uh, his book, it, it's like like you said, even if you're not a writer, like even if you're like an, maybe you're an editor and maybe do video editing like you, like I think you can you can apply some of the, those same lessons to a number of different crafts because because a lot of what he's talking about is like you know brevity, simplicity, and like you know sometimes the strongest ideas are are, are conveyed in in the simplest manner, um, and. You know, I, I think a lot of those lessons can, can be applied to like a, a number of different crafts. So even though I don't do fiction writing, you know, a lot of the writing that I do is more business focused or, or like, uh, you know, sort of a, an announcement focused or even like internal documents. I can apply a lot of that to, to the stuff that I do in my day to day work. And I think it's, uh, you know, I still go back to, to his like he, he like like you said, the first half of the book is like his sort of autobiography where he sort of conveys a a. a, a you know, a life lesson along with like a writing lesson, but the back half of the book or the back third of the book is literally just like what he calls a toolbox. So you can just mm-hmm. go and like reference stuff in there. And he's just like, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And uh, yeah, just fantastic piece of, uh, of, uh, of reference material. I, I think for uh, any sort of creative uh, type of person. Yeah. And one of my favorite things just really quickly in that book is, and I'll, as a creative person, and I'm sure you guys can relate in your fields as well is, kind of that that muse that that state of flow that you get into with your work and he kind of likens it to not this beautiful woman that sprinkles fairy dust on your keyboard and all of a sudden things are clicking and you're making things work yeah he describes it as this fat lazy neighbor that lives downstairs that you go downstairs you have to do his laundry you have to move his couch around you have to cook him food you have to like seriously grind and once in a while he comes up with something really magical and you got to work, you got to work for that kind of creative flow. You got to sit down at the desk and, and put in the hours and put in the work before something can really, you know, shine on the page. So I just thought that was a really cool way that he described it. It's like, no, you have to sit down and work. You can't just like expect this create creativity to just show up at your door and all of a sudden be, you know, working with you. Yeah, yeah so, for sure. Uh, yeah. Really great book. Yeah. That's a, that's a good record. That's awesome. Um, anyways, folks, I think that's going to be it for us uh, this week. Uh, and if you want to discuss uh, the show with us or weigh in, weigh in on the news of the week, uh, you can check out the podcast discussion uh, channel on the Shelf Games uh, Discord server. Uh, we're going to post all the links to the stuff that we discussed uh, there today as well. Uh, you can always send us email, shelvegames at gmail.com. Uh, and of course, like now, we do the show live every Monday. So if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, you can check us out uh, live on Twitch at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, approximately. Usually that's around the time that we're trying to get things going. 
Um, or again, find the show wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, YouTube, um, or find it at shelvegames.com. Uh, subscribe on your platform of choice. Leave us a rating. That really helps us out. You know, Give us a like. Share the show with your friends. That's probably the best way to support us. Follow us on Twitter at shelvegames. I'm at John underscore tab. And find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Just search for Shelf Games. And music for the show is by Zed Ion, who you can find on SoundCloud. Um, Jasulo, are you still a man of mystery? Do you, do you have them social media presences yet? Mm. <laughs> no. No. If, if people no. Need, need finance help, can, can they go to you? Not yet. I'm still studying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, David, where can people find you on the, on the internet? Um, dsmilne.com is my personal website has some of the work that I've done um, as a designer and links to my social handles. So yeah, check me out there. Awesome. Uh, Ted, where can people find the stuff that you're doing? Um, if you want to check out some of my work, uh, it's on Instagram. It's called Railcar Creative. Um, there's also railcarcreative.com, which is the website that we put a lot of our work on. So Awesome. Cool. Um, anyways, folks, I think that's going to be it for us this week. So thanks for hanging out. Greatly appreciate that. And uh, again, if you're listening after the fact, maybe you should stop by and check us out when we do this live. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and anything could happen. Ooh. <gasps> anything could happen. Um, thanks uh, a bunch. Uh, we will catch you all next time. Uh, so until then, you know what to do. Go and grab a game off the shelf because you never know what you're going to find. We will see you next time.